Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. This is Florida Matters. I'm Steve Newborn. The war in Ukraine has been described as a battle for democracy, but for many people, it's more personal than that. This show is about how ordinary people rise to meet extraordinary circumstances. WUSF reporters caught up with several Ukrainian Americans at a prayer vigil held recently in St. Petersburg. My name is Bogdan Baritsky. I am pastor in Epiphany of Our Lord Ukrainian Catholic Church here in St. Petersburg. It doesn't matter if we have, uh, you know, uh, apart 6,000 miles from Ukraine. doesn't matter. I'm there. Physically, I'm here. But my mind, my heart, my soul in Ukraine all the time. And if I have free time during my, uh, you know, schedule, uh, I prefer to see what's going on, to, to hear news and to call my mother, my sister, ask, you know, um, what's going on and all the time and i remember a couple couple nights i didn't sleep even i didn't sleep and uh, i called them i asked and i i'm feeling like i'm there and i cannot believe that this is real like dream martha climber i have visited the ukraine and very familiar with all the cities and all the places that are under attack and find it extremely difficult to watch every day and see that we're not doing enough, I feel, to stop a tyrant. My name is Olya Cherkas. I'm a parishioner, but we do have an organization here that I'm the president of, and that's the Ukrainian National Women's League of America. What's happening now is very devastating to so many of the people because many of us have that connection still. Many of them have even come here just recently, five, ten years ago, and their families are still there, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters. It's just heart-wrenching. We can't look at the com computer or the, the television without shedding a tear or having pain. Those voices were recorded by WUSS' Daylina Miller. A bit later in the program, we'll talk with organizers of a group based in Tampa that helps people trapped in the fighting to safety in the West. But first, we'll talk to one student at the University of South Florida who has decided to do something. His parents and his 11-year-old brother live in the heart of the capital, Kiev, which is under daily bombardment by Russian artillery. Instead of sitting glued to his television and smartphone reeling from reports of the devastation, Ivan Chernovsky wanted to get involved. He's organized protests and is directing people to give aid that will go to beleaguered citizens trapped by the fighting. I spoke to him over Zoom. So uh, you have been organizing rallies in support of your homeland. What has the reaction been from people who probably didn't even know where Ukraine was before this started? It's hard to say. A lot of people uh, joining us, not only like on uh, rallies, but also for our education and awareness events. However, like I cannot say that it's 
like a lot of people. Mm, so how are we working on this problem? We are like partnering with like student government of USF really, really uh, supports us and uh, making a lot uh, for our cause. We are trying to do our best to uh, engage as many people as we can. However, right now it's, I cannot say that the reaction was substantial. Your aim is to increase local awareness of what's going on. Yeah, it's like one only like first step toward our goal. So basically uh, as international student here and as people who works with me and many others people who are definitely care and help us with this cause. We are trying to increase awareness. However, it's not like ultimate goal. So we are right now making a couple of projects to uh, gain donations in uh, Ukrainian funds, like multiple of them, not only for military causes, however, also for uh, humanitarian causes, support of volunteers, support of children uh, affected by the war. Also, today we had a listening in uh, USF uh, Student Government Committee, Relations Committee, uh, about our resolution regarding some actions and support and some kind of protections of international students that were also affected by the war. So we are kind of working on multiple fronts. As uh, Again, as international student here, we cannot demand anything from U.S. government. However, we can ask our friends, U.S. citizens, just people who are care about human lives to make it for us. So we want to show people that we are here, we are Ukrainians, we are Ukraine actually here in the U.S. and that Ukraine is closer than many things. And this issue affects a lot of people, not only Ukrainians or Russian students and like ex-citizens, like Russian and Ukrainian natives. It also will affect at some point uh, U.S. citizens like economically because Russia mostly like it's a major uh, player in uh, global economic market as well as Ukraine was one of the biggest supplier of uh, wheat, for example. So, yeah. We are trying to increase awareness. So, so tell me about your family. How often are you in contact with them? And I mean, did, did you feel maybe guilty about not being there to help them at all? Luckily, the communication with them was stable. I'm able to speak with them on a daily basis. So uh, regarding my guilt, so I definitely want to see them. I want to brace them and like I miss them a lot. I want them to be with me, I would say, in safe place, firstly. Guilty, I believe that like I can do a lot here. I wish I would be with them, but it's hard to say. I guess yes. Like the short answer for this is yes. Long one is as long as I can do something, as long as I am working toward like solutions issue, making like education awareness and fundraising events. I cannot allow myself to think about guilt. I can say for like people who are also working towards this goal with me that like we cannot allow ourselves to be consumed by the sense of guilt, by the sense of scare, 
sense of depression or sadness. So, you know, with the, uh, with the blackout of news in Russia itself, many people there are getting the news of the, the real news of the war only through the, 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 their cell phones, through social media. This, this has kind of been described as maybe the first social media war. Are, are, are you kind of glued to your cell phone? Are you constantly looking at these images? And what does that do to you when you see what's happening to your country? Yes, I'm constantly on my phone. Like My phone dies like three, four times a day. So I need like to recharge it because I'm constantly on the news. What it's doing, like I wake up like at night, like three, four times, like just checking the news because like I'm praying for not hearing something like happen like in places where my family located like where my friends are and friends of my friends so yeah you're constantly on the news but like mostly because you fear that something will happen like I cannot like even imagine what people here who are from Kharkiv or Chernigiv or like some smaller cities uh, near Kiev like Gostomil feel like as like these cities and many others are like being bombed daily with like heavily and like almost nothing left from, from them like it's horrific and like I can't even imagine like what people from there is feeling constantly on a daily basis. I'd like to ask your your feelings for the Russian people itself. I mean you just married a Russian woman, right? Uh, Uliana, is that her name? Yes, yes, my wife is Russian, yep. You know, uh, that must be kind of interesting dynamic. You're Ukrainian, she's Russian. Is there any difference between you two and how you feel about Russia? Or, you know, how does that work in your family? <laughs> my family, like, uh, my family, which is in Russians, are, they have never support, like, Russian government, like Putin's, government and like strictly opposed to it like not only with words but also with actions as well like my wife so it's a horrific event uh, for her like half as well as half of my family in russia it's like half of her family in kiev so i am deeply deeply thankful for those people who are despite all this police brutality still going to protest uh, still going on streets to oppose the current situation and like regime and I send them like my deepest sense from like the bottom of my heart however to those who remain silent for those who and for those who support like supports you are basically becoming cooperatives of killing of innocent people and when Uliana is in contact with her family back in Russia, are they hearing anything about the reality of what's going on here? Her family is very educated, like they know from where like to consume information, basically. And so also we can like speak freely via several messengers. So they definitely not affected by Putin's propaganda. However, they already like feeling the consequences of uh, sanctions. However, even so, like they understand that this will their lives, personal lives, harder. They support the sanctions because, like, they understand the necessity of them. Do you think they'll make a difference? The sanctions will make a difference, or will they just hit the ordinary people and not maybe the oligarchs? 
definitely before all of this, like before like such escalation, I was like a supporter of uh, Boris Nemtsov's claims that like that sanctions should like only affect those who have a guilt of this like actions who are responsible for them. So like uh, elites and politicians. However, right now, like the situation is a bit different. So like, I believe that like sanctions will be a huge and I, I hope and believe that like these sanctions and the future economic crisis that like uh, Russian Federation will feel like people there will feel will make them rethink their support and actually go and protest to overthrow like their government because like me myself being in Kiev during the revolution of dignity in 2014 I can like from personal experience say that your freedom and your choice cannot in such countries cannot be won without like some power power from shown from ordinary people well, Ivan, you're here on a student visa, as is your wife, I believe. Yes. Um, can you go home? Do you think there's a chance of you ever returning home the way things are going right now? I hope that despite how it would turn out with my immigration status of my citizenship, like what I, I already discussed with my wife and what I will going to do, so I will return to Kiev to rebuild it. When the war is won, it's nothing have ended because like, we need our economy to develop and securely exit from like this like transition from like a war economy to our economy of the peaceful time, as well as I can allow. And I can't even think like that I'm gonna allow my parents and my young brother to like live in destroyed cities without helping them anyhow. Like it's unthinkable and that's my plan. Ivan Chernyovsky is a USF student who was organizing rallies in support of his homeland of Ukraine. Ivan, thank you so much for being on Florida Matters, and I wish you and your family safety and good health. Thank you very much for inviting us. This is Florida Matters. Coming up after this short break, we'll talk with a member of a group based in Tampa that's actively helping people escape the war zone in Ukraine. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Florida Matters. I'm Steve Newborn. Talking to us over Zoom is Justin Clements, a spokesman for Project Dynamo, which is based in Tampa. It's named after the mass evacuation of French and British troops during the early days of World War II from the beaches of Dunkirk. Justin, is that a good description of what you're trying to do? Shine a little light on what is a very dark situation? Uh, yeah, that name is very applicable to what's happening in Afghanistan when Project Dynamo was first formed, as well as what's happening in Ukraine right now. So you have our Americans and allies who are desperate to get out, that have their backs against the wall, and they need an evacuation immediately. So through that need, that's how Project Dynamo was formed. Uh, originally in August, with the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, really happened very suddenly with a lot of Americans stuck over there, especially once the State Department officially pulled out and weren't able to get anyone else out. These groups like Project Dynamo were going in to help evacuate Americans out of there to get them citizens and lawful permanent residents uh, out of the area as fast as they could. 
So they formed in, in August of last year to help with that. They then uh, diverted their resources a little bit while they're still focusing on evacuation efforts in Afghanistan. They started laying the groundwork for Ukraine just in case something uh, were to happen. They were actually gearing up to do a test rescue to sort of test the mechanisms that they had in place to make sure, you know, with Afghanistan, they sort of had to undertake all the evacuations and then find the problems and fix them as they go. With the Ukraine situation, they wanted to test that to kind of get a leg up on the situation, if you will. And then the very next day, Russian forces invaded, kind of had to get them right back to how they were in Afghanistan, which is go, 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 let's figure out the problems as we go. Well, Justin, I'll, I want to talk about Afghanistan in just a little bit here, but I'd imagine the situation in Ukraine is completely different, right? You're dealing with a, a an active war zone, and how do you go about figuring out who you're going to rescue? You know, the first thing. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of looking at your website, and you have these request forms for evacuation. Is that how it works, basically? It is different from how it was in Afghanistan. With Afghanistan, it was more or less an internal conflict within the country where they had taken over and had a new government put in place, but they were still able to evacuate Americans and lawful permanent residents of the United States out by air travel. Um, now with this situation with Russia and Ukraine, commercial and you know military planes are grounded. That's so all the evacuations have to take place via ground transportation, it really does change uh, the entire landscape of how they are trying to evacuate people. So it goes from them getting these evacuees to an airport on a plane, the plane takes off, everything's good to go. Now it's, let's get these folks on a bus and have to monitor the situation. Some of these evacuation trips take about 18 hours. That's the longest one so far. And a lot can change in 18 hours as we've been keeping up with the news cycle, um, what's happening between Russia and, and Ukraine. Having to stay on top of recent developments and where Russia is advancing their troops, their forces, what cities are being bombarded, it's taking a huge toll on, on the country. Because like you said, it's a, it's a military power uh, invading a neighboring country and in the, those folks in, in Lviv. Uh, Lviv is at maximum capacity for how many people are traveling and, and staying in the city until they can get out, um, either through Poland or Romania. So it's 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 very hectic and it is a little bit different just given the fact that air travel just isn't isn't an option right now. So how do you determine who you all are gonna evacuate? You know, looking at your website, the list includes American citizens, green card holders, holders of visas from Canada and the UK, but you also have, it says Ukrainian civilians who do not have a visa. So, so how do you determine who you're going to help? Yeah, we're in Afghanistan. It was typically Americans and lawful permanent residents. So they'd be able to get them to the United States and get them on that travel manifest. Here it is, if you've got documentation to, to enter into a neighboring country, and most of the evacuees have some sort of American tie, whether it be a friend of a friend over here in the United States or someone here stateside advocating for them. Typically the evacuee has that, but they've had instances where they have been at a safe house and met someone at the safe house that wasn't a part of their group that also needed a ride out and they had a spare seat and they had the documentation on them that they could get into a neighboring country. So they said, yeah, we've got a seat, come on in, take it. Now, how they are determining who gets picked out, it's just, 
it's a logist everything is based off of logistics and resources so they are continuously planning evacuation operations you know multiple evacuations at a time so determining where they their evacuation routes are uh, where these folks are living at where they can get to the closest point on that evacuation route all that is all that plays a part into who they're able to evacuate but as far as who they they are able to take they start with those who are registering through the website taking a look at their evacuation routes how many how many seats they have available and who can come you know meet them on their evacuation route and how many people uh, have you uh, evacuated so far and how many are you targeting if there is a, a limit over a hundred right now they actually completed they they just recently completed four of those and they've got they've got more planning so they are they are dropping those evacuees off at a neighboring country right now, and then they are heading back toward Kiev to go get uh, you know more more evacuees. They right now on their website they have well over nine thousand evacuation requests, and I believe that the State Department announced that there were twenty thousand Americans still inside the country. Um, again, not just Americans being rescued, but if that gives you some sort of a picture as far as how many Americans are still left over there trying to get out, it's it's much more significant than a lot of people think. Justin, give our listeners uh, an example of the complexity of trying to evacuate people from this country that's under total bombardment by, by the Russian artillery. Um, you get any kind of transport. You could find buses, trains. It's kind of ad hoc. You work with the people on the ground basically there. And how dangerous is it? Yeah, so logistically, they, they'll... they'll take whatever they can get. Sometimes it's a 15-passenger van. Sometimes it's it's a small bus to get back into Kiev. It's, it's sometimes a train ride there. And now we're seeing more reports of Russian military or mercenary groups targeting these civilian convoys out. Um, the, we, we saw the, you know videos of journalists being targeted by these groups. So it's, it, it's getting more and more dangerous. And all the, all signs point to, you know, the, the attacks are going to keep coming uh, more and more. As I told you at the beginning that they were testing up for a test rescue, well, but, you know, that night, missiles started raining in on Kiev, so they had to immediately, all right, like, we have to go. If you can meet us here, meet us here, but we have to get out. So it's, d- depending on where Russia strikes next, what, what highways they allow for humanitarian exfiltration, those sorts of things are uh, are constantly being, you know, hour-by-hour hour updates of, you know, where's Russia? What are they allowing to do? Where's the safest way out? Because not only is it getting all these evacuees coordinated on a bus and going, but making sure that Project Dynamo isn't driving into, you know, an unsafe area and a little difficult to, to predict and plan, especially in trying to predict what Vladimir Putin is, is going to do. It's kind of um, it's kind of anyone's guessing game. Yeah, I don't think anybody is capable of uh, of figuring that one out. Have you have you come under any of your convoys come under direct attack? Have you suffered any casualties at all yet? Um, no, not currently. Nothing that they've reported back to us, uh, and we keep uh, we we get constant updates from them every day, you know, through in, encrypted messaging apps. So we're we're keeping up with them. Haven't come under attack as of yet. You know, we we get pictures of them driving past. You know collapsed buildings, burnt out vehicles from, you know, from attacks and bombardment from, you know, like either the day before or even, you know, 12 hours beforehand. As, as far as their evacuations themselves, they've been safe thus far and haven't ran into any sort of uh, enemy contact thus far. 
It's, it's interesting. So many of us are kind of glued to our TV sets or our social media, and we feel kind of powerless to do anything. We see this incredible destruction going on, but you all are actually there. You're in the field. You're doing something. That must give you an immense sense of satisfaction in many ways. Yes. The fact that I'm able to be in any sort of capacity a part of a group of people that are doing such incredible work to, to think that, you know, from, from over here, you know, down here in Tampa, Florida, that we can have a hand in getting these folks out of these terrible war zones. I mean, the, I, I've seen a few of the evacuation requests come in and, you know, it just, it just ranges from, from absolutely terrible to a complete nightmare and everything in between to be able to reach out to those people and say, Hey, Project Dynamo is coming to help you is, yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible feeling. And, and while getting those evacuees to a neighboring country and getting them to safety is a fantastic feeling, you also go back and look at the numbers of, you know, more than 9,000 people that still need to get out. So, you know, while each busload is, is another busload of people reaching safety, it's, it's also, you know, there's, there's more work ahead. And as long as, as long as they, you know, are able to fund it and have the resources and the manpower, um, they're, they're going to keep going as, as long as people need them and as long as it's safe. Well, you're still actively involved in Af- Afghanistan. Uh, I read in January your group rescued uh, four U.S. citizens and 19 permanent residents from Afghanistan. So that is ongoing well. It's ongoing as well, right? Yes. So while they've been planning and obviously the a lot of attention has been focused on Ukraine, they are still putting together evacuations from Afghanistan. So if again the news cycle is you know very entrenched in what's going on and focusing on that but if if you or someone you know uh an american citizen or a lawful permanent resident is that in afghanistan they are they are still working in afghanistan to get people out uh, you know obviously it's it's focused to this crisis right now and and in fact they've had folks who had been evacuated from afghanistan from that conflict to ukraine and were there for a few months, starting to get settled, starting to get their life back together, and then this happened, and now have to be evacuated. And they helped evacuate a few Afghans who had faced that situation. So it's, it's just imagine that Taliban taking over your country, you flee from that situation, go to Ukraine, and then Russia invades Ukraine. It's just it's, some of these stories are just absolutely terrible. Justin, anything else you want to say about the situation in Ukraine that y'all are facing? It's just it, it is a it is a terrible situation that project dynamo sees sees a problem sees a need and they're trying to help the biggest thing that that anyone can do if they want to help the efforts over there are wondering how they can do it look into project dynamo these guys are you know one of the few organizations where the where the leadership is over there on the ground participating with they're with the evacuees seeing them go from one checkpoint to the next to the neighboring country, walking, physically getting off the bus and walking them to the border, make sure they make it to safety. And then they're going right back into Ukraine to go get the next, the, the next round of evacuees. Justin Clements is a spokesman for Tampa-based Project Dynamo. You know, thank you for everything you're doing for the people over there. And thank you for being on Florida Matters. Yeah, and thank you so much for giving this the the attention that it that they just so well deserve. Um, so th- thank you for spreading that message and, you know, just letting people know that, that they can help and they can help an, an organization that's based right out of here in Tampa going over and helping those folks. Again, much appreciated. 
And that's it for today's show. I'd like to thank Ivan Chernovsky, Justin Clements, and all the people of Ukraine. Our producer is Denora Prevost. You can catch up on our recent shows and the latest news from Florida Matters and WUSF via Twitter, Facebook, our WUSF Instagram page, or by podcasts so you can listen to us anytime you want. I'm Steve Newborn. We'll catch you next week on our next edition of Florida Matters.